The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue today in our series on the book of Job, we begin looking at Job's unspeakable sorrow. We must never forget that the things that happened to Job, even though eventually God blessed him in the end greater than he had in the beginning, were things that were great losses to him. I'm sure he never got over the loss of those 10 children. And in Job chapter 3, we see his cries of sorrow just how difficult the time was that he was having. But we are reminded today that in the midst of this sorrow, God is still with us. Even when we can't see him, he is there. So join us today as we continue in our study on the book of Job. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Blessed be the Father of our Lord, the everlasting God. All praise and honor to His name, His majesty adore. When from the dead He raises sun and gold, 
You may recall we've been looking at Job, this oldest book of the Bible, the oldest account of an encounter between the true God and one of his children. Uh, now, it, certainly Genesis, as we've said, deals with the oldest things. Uh, the, books, the books of Moses, the five books of Moses, start us at the very beginning of time and take us up through uh, the death of Moses. And, um, but those books were written after Job, according to historians and, and all that we can tell from archaeology and history. And so what we have in Job is a sort of a primeval account, if you will, of God and his children and their interaction. One thing we have to remember about Job, he's, he's not as fortunate as we are. We, we've got all of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. He didn't even have the book of the law. There was nothing written for him, nothing inspired and written down for Job to look to when he ran into trouble. Aren't we blessed? Because when we have problems and we have troubles, we can go to Scripture and find help. Job didn't have the book of Job to go to when he's having troubles, but we do. <laughs> and that's something. We go to Job. Job was the standard. Job was the one that is the one that we look to. But Job didn't have anyone to look to. He didn't know. So when we're reading Job, we're going to find in the book of Job that Job's got some issues along with his friends. Um, there's some self-righteousness. There's some pride involved. But you're also going to read, as we already have, you need to understand that in that day, Job was living better than anyone else, according to God's own testimony. There's none like him in the earth according to what God said to Satan. The other thing I'm going to keep reminding you every time we go to Job is remember that Job is not about God afflicting Job. God did not afflict Job. Where do sufferings come from? We've dealt with that last time. We talked about the fact that sometimes it can be the chastening of God, but more often it's just the result of living in a sin-cursed world. You want to blame your suffering on somebody? Look up Adam. Talk to Adam. You know, I've often remembered that... Um, I forget, I think it's in the book of Luke, it may have been in the book of Mark, where Jesus comes across a blind man. And we're told that he, uh, he sighs, he looks up into heaven. When the blind man asks him to, to, to heal him, he, Jesus looks up into heaven and he sighs. He, that literally, he groans in his spirit. And I don't know what he was thinking then, but I got a suspicion it was like, Adam, here we go again. Another problem you cause that I've got to fix. And that's... That's who we need to blame for the troubles of the world. You know, sometimes it is Satan. And in Job's case, it really was Satan. Oftentimes, you know, Satan's not omnipresent like God. He's not, he's not the, let's, let's remember this. Satan is not the opposite of God. You don't have Satan here on one side and God here on the other, and they're battling it out. There ain't no battle between God and Satan. <laughs> in fact, the final battle we read about, everybody wants to talk about Armageddon and all this build up to all this. Listen, the final battle's over just like that. It's just like that. He defeats them. He, he loses. Satan has no power beyond that which God has restricted him to, you see. 
So God and Satan are not equal. Satan is not everywhere present and nowhere absent like God, but his minions are. His minions are all over the place. There were devils in Christ's day that had to be cast out. It wasn't Satan himself, but it was some of his minions, some of his followers. So Satan played his part, which is to afflict God's children. God played his part, which is to keep the hedge and, and, and lower it or raise it according to his will. And we'll talk about that, as I said, later on in the book of Job. So we see where we are. Chapters 1 and 2, what great afflictions Job has endured. We're about to start chapter 3. And I want to talk about Job's patience first, but, but I want you to be thinking as we build up to chapter 3. We're going to see Job's pain break forth in a verbal way, in a very visceral way, a very heart-wrenching way. And, and, and let me just go ahead and warn you. It would be easy for us to do like his three friends and sit back as we read chapter 3 and talk about, well, Job, you're wrong here and you're not right there. And, and we are going to point some of that out. But can we, can we remember that his friends were wrong too? His friends were wrong too. And let's... And let's set aside the pride of Job that we're going to get to. Let's set aside the self-righteousness that is a little bit of a problem. And let's just think about ourselves in the place of Job. And let's put ourselves in there. So, so remember James chapter 5, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll conclude the introductory remarks with it. James chapter 5 and verse 11 gives us the summation of Job. You wonder what Job's about? You know, I heard somebody tell me one time, uh, I've heard it said, that, well, I don't like Job because I don't like what God did to Job. I don't like to read the book of Job. Well, God didn't do it to Job. And the book of Job is not about God afflicting Job or even really about Satan afflicting him. The, book, the summation of the book of Job is found in James chapter 5 and verse 11 where James is warning the children there of God about persecution. And he says, you have heard of the patience of Job. Patience is one of the themes of Job. You have heard of the patience of Job and you have seen the end of God, how that he is very pitiful and of tender mercies. If you come away from Job with any view of God other than that he is very pitiful, he is full of pity, and he's of tender mercies, we've missed the point of Job. So remember that as we look into it. So let's look at Job's patience just for me. What is the patience of Job? What is it about Job that's commendable when it's talked about the patience of Job? He is our standard that we look to in, in enduring struggles. Job has suffered things that not many people have ever suffered, if anybody. Job has suffered things that are horrible to think about. Some of you have lost children, okay? Uh, Job lost 10 children. He lost all of his children. Some of you have gone bankrupt or had problems with uh, financially, uh, financial ruin. Job lost everything he had, and he had a lot. He wasn't just out. You know, one of the good things about being poor is there's not much you can lose. My granddaddy used to say in the Depression times that my granddaddy McCoo, he said, we didn't know there was a Depression going on. Everything just kind of went along the same way it always had for us. <laughs> but but, but he, he lost everything. He was one of the great men of the East. And, and this man Job, this man Job was suffering beyond anything that anybody had ever heard of in that day. His friends came to see him because they had heard about how horrible uh, his luck had been, if you want to call it that, because it was something they had never heard about before. 
But notice what Job did and what he said. The first thing he did in being patient is he recognized his own unworthiness. Look in chapter 1 and verse 21. After all this destruction occurred and all of his sons were, in, were killed, his children were killed, his, he lost all of his stuff. Notice what he said. Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. You know what he's saying here? Who am I anyway to deserve anything? I, I came from my mother's womb with nothing. When I die, I will go home. I will go home to heaven with nothing. Everything I have will be someone else's. Who am I? In Psalm, the 22nd chapter, you don't have to turn there, but the sixth verse, we know that's a messianic psalm and that's important, but also it is a literal psalm. It's literally uh, written by David there saying uh, some things that he was feeling. And he said this, I am a worm and no man. I am a worm and no man. You know, the problem today, people tell us, is lack of self-esteem. Our children, our, our, our society has a lack of self-esteem. I suggest to you the problem today is too much self-esteem. <laughs> we, we think too highly of ourselves. You know, uh, I, I realize there is, a, there is a place you can get to where you are so depressed and so putting yourself down so badly that it's actually sinful to do that. It's actually sinful. Don't put down, you know, what God has called holy. Don't, don't you count it unholy. You know, you say, I'm nothing and God couldn't love me and God couldn't do anything to help me well that's a sin too but but in general the problem is not that we're thinking too little of ourselves brother Mackey is we think too much of ourselves you know I, I don't have to be some I'm not knocking therapy we may need it I get it there's 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 a place for that out there but listen I don't need to be schooled in how great a guy I am I've got a PhD in that I know how good I am. I know what a great, you know, looking, looking at myself in a fleshly way. It's, oh, you're great. Look at you. You know, uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to learn how to be selfish. I have four children, as you know. There wasn't a one of them that I had to teach um, how to be selfish. <laughs> the word mine was their word almost before mom was their word or mama, you know. They learned the word mine, you know, and that's, we, it's no problem to be self-focused and to be self-centered. The problem is not too much, uh, not a uh, lack of self-esteem. It's too much self-esteem. But Job, when you see yourself as a sinner you are, as the Bible teaches us that we are, that'll knock down every bit of pride you've ever had. You know, you know what God calls Jacob in the 41st division of Isaiah? He says, thou worm, Jacob. <laughs> you know, I, we, we, we don't, I've heard about uh, people have these little, you know, places where you have earthworms, you know, you have them, you, 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 you sort of cultivate them, if you will. You know, you're not cultivating them so you can go show them, right? You know, not like calves or sheep. You're cultivating them because they're worthless except for fish bait. <laughs> That's the only thing a worm's really worth, isn't it? It's, uh, you know, and, 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 and we're called a worm in the sight of God. When you compare the glory of man to the glory of God, there is no glory of man. It pales in comparison. Look over in Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Let's read that just for a minute together. Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 6, we'll start there. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 6. You want to know what you are? You want to know what I am as, as, 
as humans apart from God. The voice said cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. We're compared to the grass. We're almost to wintertime, right? We're almost to wintertime. We've been having struggles. We've been having to cut the grass here all summer long. All summer we've been, who's going to cut it? How are we going to get it cut? We're not going to have to worry about that very, long, very much long. You know why? Because the grass is going to fade. It's going to turn brown. It's going to die. That's what we are. It's, we're here just for, there's one place where we're called a vapor, a vapor. You know, a vapor just dissipates. It's not even like smoke. Sometimes you can detect smoke for a, a little while longer, but a vapor is just gone. Notice down in verse uh, 12, talking about God now. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure? Tell me how many particles of dust there are in our parking lot. Tell me how many particles of dust there are in your house. Okay? We live on a dirt road. It's more for us probably than for some of you. Tell me how many are in a handful of dust. You can't measure it, but God has comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. God knows exactly how many particles of dust are swirling in this room right now, and not only in this room, but throughout the entire world. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? And weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. How much does Mount Everest weigh? Not a man or scientist. There's not a scientist or or a mountain climber on earth can tell you, but God knows the exact measure. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? We talked already in a message several months ago about the omniscience of God, and can you imagine a being that you can't teach anything? You know, I've I've been accused of that in my life. said, you can't teach him nothing. <laughs> well, that wasn't a compliment. That didn't mean I actually knew everything. But you can't teach God nothing, if you allow me to use bad English there. God knows it all. God has it all. There's no counselor. There's no teacher. Now, now here's what I want, to, I want to, I'm getting to here. Behold the nations, that is, all the others apart from the Jews, and, and maybe even including the Jews, every person in the world are as a drop of a bucket, are counted as a small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, or the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. Now here's, here's the point. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing. Now, I can fathom nothing, but I can't fathom less than nothing. I never understood negative numbers, brother buddy. I never did really understand that. How can it be? Anyway, that's what we are. You and I are negative numbers in ourselves apart from God. He recognized this. Job understood this. This is the patience of Job is contained in the first two chapters, okay, primarily. There's some other ways he was paid, but primarily the patience of Job is in his response initially to all these sufferings. And the first thing was he recognized 
his unworthiness. You know, I love the saying that Brother Ronald Lawrence has. Uh, I, I heard this from his son when I was over in, in uh, Georgia not too long ago. Brother Ronald has this saying. He said, the best of man is man at best. <laughs> Think about that. The best of man is man at best. We're nothing and less than nothing. He recognized his unworthiness, and he recognized God's holiness. He recognized God's holiness. Notice he said in verse 21, going back to Job 1, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, we said already, I'm not going to go through it again, because you can go back and get the message uh, online when I get it posted, and you'll see. But, uh, but notice that he's not talking about God gave me all this stuff. I believe the reference here is to the hedge that God had put around him. God is the keeper of the hedge. Satan is the afflictor of the brethren. God had a hedge around him. The Lord gave the hedge. The Lord had taken away. But listen, blessed be the name of the Lord. He knew God was worthy of worship no matter what happens to him in this life. You remember what we said initially when we were starting this message or this series? If you never got another blessing again in your life, you've already gotten more than you deserve. If I never receive anything from this point forward but pain and suffering and loss, you know what awaits me at my death? The glories that cannot compare to the sufferings that we've endured. Or maybe I should say it the other way. The sufferings cannot compare to the glories that will be revealed. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is holy. He recognized that and he recognized, and by the way, we know that he's right here because verse 22 says, in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. We often charge God in this life foolishly. God, why'd you do this to me? Why'd you do that to me? Why'd you take this person? Why'd you make this person sick? We're charging him foolishly because he didn't do it. It's a foolish charge. It's, it's groundless. He didn't do it. And notice finally over in chapter 2, he recognized the world's depravity. He recognized the world's depravity, the curse of sin. Look at verse 10. After his wife said, curse God and die, he said, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Shall we not receive evil? Now notice he didn't say evil at the hand of God. I always point that out because we need to remember the evil of this world, there are times, yes, when God chastens us and God does these, some things to chasten us. But, but in general, the sufferings of this present time that, that, that we have are a result of the evil in the world. I'm not going to turn there. Turn and read chapter 8 sometime. Remember 8.18, I've already quoted it. For I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Job is being patient. This is the patience of Job that we're talking about. Now, from this point forward in the book of Job, we have to remember something. We have to filter everything that is said, everything that we read. We have to filter it through the view of who's speaking. You have to know who's talking in order to, 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 to rightly divide the rest of the book of Job. And beginning in chapter 3, we begin to see these speakers. The first speaker is Job. Now, we're going to read, some, we're going to read this whole chapter uh, as we go through the rest of this message. But I want you to think, I want, I'm going to ask you a question. This Job's lament here in chapter 3 reminds me of something. 
Does it remind you of something? I want you to think about that, and we'll come back to that at the end of this message. Job's lament reminds me of something. Think about if it reminds you of anything, and we'll come back to it later. So notice what happens in the end of chapter 2, verse 13, after his friends have come. Let's begin reading in verse 11. When Job's three friends heard of all this evil that was come upon him, they came, everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Naamathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew him not, he was so bad off they couldn't even recognize him. They lifted up their voice and wept, and they rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven, and they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. His grief was very great. That word grief refers to both mental and physical and emotional pain and sorrow. And in a review of all of Job's afflictions, the, the conclusion that they reached and the conclusion that Job reached and the conclusion we should reach is that his grief now is very great. It's, it's, it's a, it's a deep-seated, powerful, uh, passionate emotion. And I want to say to you, there have been times in my life where I could identify with this. There have been times in my life, I, I can't say I've ever suffered as much as Job. But I think if you and I both, if we'll, if we'll think about it, in our lives, there have been times when our grief has approached near unto that of Job. We have felt the deep-seated anger. We've felt the passion of loss. We've felt the mourning of, of losing someone or the pain and suffering of some illness and sickness. And I want us to set aside any judgmental notions about Job this morning. And I want us to think about it from his perspective and how bad he is feeling right now. You know, sometimes the best thing we can do when we come across someone in the throes of this kind of deep-seated mourning and grief is to just sit silent like his friends. I'll have to give them this. They turn out to be miserable comforters, but at least they started out being silent you know I've tried to comfort people before you know and I've had I know the trite sayings of the world world you know um, I try to avoid those now but you know patting somebody on the back it'll get better with time will it really sometimes it doesn't <laughs> uh, uh, it could be worse you know that's but you know really if you look at the book of Job Job was that man that probably couldn't get much worse <laughs> You know, what if you're that guy? It's like a pyramid, you know, the pyramid schemes that don't really work because somebody has to be the last one. Well, what if you're that last one? <laughs> what if you're the guy that it's not any worse than? Nobody can, you say, well, so it's, no, they don't. <laughs> well, what about, no, you got it bad, brother. You're the worst. <laughs> you're the worst. You can't, those things don't, sometimes it's just best to be silent. Jesus doesn't always speak to us. But he's always with us. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z I O N P B C. 
1847 at gmail.com or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J C H R I S M C C O O L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you, is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.